Our Heavenly Father, again, we thank you that we can come here today and, and receive your word, and from it, may we receive a blessing that we can give to others, for we ask it in your name. Amen. Okay. If you have a chance, sometimes when you're down to the Book and Bible House, there God's little instruction book for the workplace. It's got a lot of good quotes in here. And it's right on with what we need to know. Uh, I know that you heard that we're having our forum meetings. And one of the things that we're looking at is a proposed statement. A proposed statement reduces frustration because it allows us to forget about the things that really don't matter. A clear purpose not only defines what we do, it defines what we don't do. Now, why does Fox Valley Church exist? What are we to be as a church, and who and what are we? What are we to do as a church, and what does God want done in the world? And how are we to do it? Jesus summarized it all in the Great Commandment of Matthew 22, 37 to 40, and the Great Commission 28, 19 to 20, when he told us to go into the world and teach everybody, didn't he? To paraphrase it. So a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission will grow a great church. Five purposes of the church is love the Lord with all your heart. Number one, two, love your neighbor as yourself. Three, go and make disciples, and four, baptizing them and teaching them to obey, number five. Purpose statements from other churches are listed below here, but I won't read them for time's sake today. <clears throat> Our mission statement that we're going to give to the uh, board is the mission of the Fox Valley Seventh-day Adventist Church is to honor God in praise and worship, prepare the body of believers for life and ministry, and reach out to everyone with love and grace of God. This is to let you know where we're at and what we're doing. If you want a copy of this, let me know. I have extra ones. Uh, you sang the new song, All Hail King Jesus. I understand with this song, Sashi, when are we going to start with this as a regular song? In a couple of weeks, okay. <clears throat> One of the... Okay, but when we do sing this here, we won't be kneeling, we'll be standing. So it'll be a little bit different, just keep that in mind. Okay, we have a new list of um, our church offices that are listed in different, we had about six, seven columns before we reduced that down to three in a committee. And <clears throat> no matter where you're, where you are in this here list, we all work the same for God. There's no difference. Sometimes we think we should be in another list or whatever. That's okay. You move your name over there. That's okay with us. Just as long as you're doing the work. Okay. There is no difference in what you're doing, making up where you are on the list. But if you want a copy of that, that's out in the. Uh, vestibule out there on the table. Well, that covers about everything that I wanted to bring to you extra from the sermon this morning. So, let's turn to Titus in your Bible.
Everybody got it? The book of Titus, who wrote it? Paul did. Now the next, next is, when did he write it? A.D. 63 to 65. How long ago would you think that is? Before you have to get out your calculator. It's 1,948 years to 1,946 years ago. That's a long time ago. Is it relevant to what, today to us? But you never hear much about the book of Titus, do you? And another little book that you never hear much about is Philemon. And you know, I was reading this week that there isn't any really uh, scripture from the Old Testament in these here two books. I thought that was strange. It alludes to them, but it doesn't actually give it, it says. And I'm not sure of that. I didn't go over to check every one. But <clears throat> Titus was a convert of Paul's, and he's a, a Greek Gentile converted. And he was from Antioch, and he ministered for a number of years alongside Paul, taking on several notable assignments. One of these is a Corinthian church where he gives guidance to prepare the people in their offering for the Jerusalem saints. He also accompanies Paul and Barnabas to the Jerusalem council. One of Paul's own converts, Titus, is not circumcised since it would be assumed a concession to Jewish legalism. Paul leaves a young but mature Titus on the Mediterranean island of Crete, which is 152 miles long and 35 miles wide, to organize the believers into churches. His mission there is complicated by false teaching, immaturity, and immorality. And it was written possibly from Greece or Macedonia. And of course it was to Titus. Paul's request in this letter is that Titus appoint qualified elders in every city to guide the believers of Crete. Special exhortations are given to the young and the old of both sexes to live righteously as they hope in the return of Jesus Christ. Believers are encouraged in good works, but admonished to remember that their justification is a product of God's grace and mercy. <clears throat> False teachers are, excuse me, are rebuked by Paul as he emphasizes how sound doctrine should be the focus of every believer. Paul uses this letter to give. Titus, the spiritual wisdom he needs to effectively lead the church. Uh, it says here, the themes are good works are not to bring us salvation, but to reflect our salvation. Christians should not speak evil of anyone. Believers should deny worldly lust. We should never let our speech be such that we could be condemned or bring disgrace to the ways of the Lord. And we are a pure heir. Christians are exhorted not only to live pure lives, but to have pure motives as well. Every believer is justified before God to be an eternal heir to all that God has made available. That is a promise, isn't it? <clears throat> How much is that in company encompassed? Everything, it says. We are heirs to everything. So when you get there, don't say, well, <clears throat> that's my place and this is my land and that's all that. Everybody's going to have the same share. You have a home in the city, you have a home in the country, right? 
And you go every Sabbath to the city to worship God. What a privilege, huh? To be able to see him face to face, something that we can't even comprehend here. And the beauty of your home in the country and one in the city, it's, what did I say, Dave? 380 some miles high? <laughs> uh -huh, and wide and long. And I'd like to be up on top. It's going to be a beautiful view up there. I hope you're right next door because we could enjoy it together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, in the book of Titus, it says, Thus is charged to appoint qualified leaders for the church of Crete. Paul instructs Titus to rebuke false teachers. Uh, as I read this, I want you to, to, to look at it as our church today. And how does that uh, reveal or reflect on our church today? Paul is servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But hath in due times manifest his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son after the common faith, they must have been very close, like a father's son. Thank to call, for him to call him my own son. And he says, uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is the beginning of a normal way to write a letter in those days. You had the first, the salutation, which he all gives. Then you have the body of it, and then you have the closing of it. That's the way they wrote letters. And it, it wasn't too long ago that they found out, hmm, all these writings that Paul did, they followed the form. It was, give the salutations, and then you tell them what you want them to hear, and then you close. Simple. Did you remember doing that in school? Huh? Your reading teacher said this is the way you make out a letter to send to somebody, and you really didn't want to take home that letter that they had you write to your parents? Yes. But you learn how to write, and you know, it's fun to write and to your aunts or uncles that were far away and get a letter back. But did they do the salutation like Paul does? <clears throat> he builds up the person, doesn't he? For this cause I leave thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. It may be, be <coughs> oh wow, it may be, be blameless a husband of one wife having faithful children not a cursed uh, not accused of right or unruly that's what these elders were to be for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God not self-willed not soon angry not given to wine no striker nor given to filthy liquor which means uh, want of wealth but a lover of hospitality a lover good men sober just holy temperate holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, and that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Do you, re do you realize that is what a, a bishop or an elder is supposed to be? Yeah, think about it, you elders, you deacons. When you hold to this, what he was saying here, and you notice that he, he was the pre-nomination committee and the nomination committee. 
right? He was selected by Paul to go out and find these people. But he looked at them through what God wanted them to be. And for there are many unruly, <coughs> excuse me, my throat wasn't clear, unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy occurs sake, and that again is the want of money. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish tables and, or fables, I mean, and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient to every good work. <laughs> now going to the clear word Bible, which explains it a little better, in a way. Oh, thank you. I'm going to start with verse 10, right after I have some water. Thank you. We have a number of Cretan converts from Judaism who are not really converted. These are the ones who are demanding circumcision, deceiving people with their theological nonsense and causing endless trouble among our churches. These men must be stopped from uh, running whole families by teaching and preaching things that are not true. Their object is to get members to give them their tithes and offering. In fact, it was a Christian poet whom the people there considered to be a religious reformer and one of their prophets who said of his own countrymen, Cretans are nothing but lazy gluttons, liars, and evil brutes. Now that tells you, it gives you a little different slant on <laughs> this here way they put it than what it's in the King James. And it says, they should stop listening to Jewish myths and man-made rules being pushed on them by those who have rejected the truth. Those who are honest and pure in heart see goodness in everything, but those who are defiled and unbelieving see evil in everything, because their, mind, their minds and conscience have lost their ability to make sound moral judgments. They claim to know God, but their actions deny it. Because of the detestable things they do and their disobedience and rebellious spirits, they un they're unfit to do anything good. It gives you a sort of a common way of looking at it, saying this is how people looked at them at that time. But it says here, proper conduct defined for various groups in the church, Titus exhorted to preach the gospel. It says, but speak thou things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience, that's just Bill and I, I guess. Maybe a couple others here. It's just old people, see? So when you look at it, a lot of times you may be the youngest. Because I went to a luncheon this week at Christ the King Church. I was invited, so I went there. And there must have been about 40 to 60 people there for the luncheon. And I said to the lady that invited me, I said, do you realize we're the youngest people here? She said, you're right. <laughs> Everybody was older than we are. They were all up in their 80s, early 90s, and I'm going, and they're doing fine. Gives you hope, right? <clears throat> okay, that aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in 
behavior has become a tolerant, not accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things. So let's go to chapter two over here. It says on the women, it says, teach the older women to behave likewise as benefits our religion. They should not spread rumors, gossip, or slander others. They should not be fitting, flitting society, socialites and lovers of wine, but women who teach useful things. That's same scripture. saying Because some people look at that and say uh, uh, they shouldn't, be, uh, shouldn't take much wine. Well, that means that we can drink wine. Right? Well, in my profession as a counselor, alcoholic drug counselor, a lot of women started with one glass of wine in the evening to relax, and then after a while it was two glasses of wine, and they filled bigger jugs of wine to drink, and pretty soon it was three and four, and pretty soon they got addicted to it, and then it could be a quart to a gallon. You say, gallon? Yeah, that's, that's probably minimum for a good alcoholic. And that's a day. That ain't a week. That's a day. And these, these people that promote alcohol is good for you. They don't tell you all the bad things that can happen to you. It's just that your blood will be nice, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, it'll stop after a while because your brain don't know enough to keep, keep it going. So we have to look at some of these scriptures and say, what does it mean? And then here it talks about the young people too. It says, they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things show thyself a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part, may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And it said in the last days, your character is going to stand for you among your neighbors, that people will know that you're not what others may be saying of you, that they will defend you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. And they, you know, that's like talking back to your boss and getting fired for it. Right? Not prolonging, but showing all good f fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. That scripture just before, you know, saying to your masters or otherwise your bosses, if they ask you to do something, do it. You know, but do it with joy. And that you have a job. I, when I was in a, a hospital, they were having a group of young ladies and one older lady that came through. She was probably in her early 40s and nursing training. And as we got to the, each patient that morning, this older lady was quite adamant about telling the doctors how to treat these patients. Uh, needless to say, she uh, wasn't in the class anymore. You don't tell doctors what to do. You might suggest to them off to the side, but not as she was doing. So be nice, you know. Learn first, and then suggest. But don't come up with, you should be doing it this way. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly 
in this present world. It's telling us what to do now, doesn't it? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And I don't think anybody here can say that they're not looking forward to his soon coming. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people and zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Verse 3, it says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, obey magistrates, and to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing only meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And I'm sure there's nobody in here can identify with that, right? Just me, right? When you look at that, sometimes foolish. Did, did you ever have somebody tell you that? Well, you sure are acting foolish today. Or you're disobedient. You don't do what you say you're going to. You're easily deceived by your friends. And serving divers' lusts and pleasures of the world. Living in malice and envy, hate, hateful and hating one another. And I think, you know, sometimes, and hating one another might be our own family. That's what breaks up families, is not understanding one another in the family. That they'd rather hate each other and say bad things about them. But after that, the kindness and love of our God and Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saving, saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogy and contentions and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Did you ever have somebody ask you a foolish question? No, no I'm not. I'm excluding your kids because they're, they're allowed to ask those. But how many times grown-ups have asked you a foolish question? They knew the answer. They just wanted to see what you were going to say. So don't do this because it's just in contention that you, they're talking to you. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is sub subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. And he goes on in closing, when I shall send Artemis unto thee and Tacitus, be di diligent to come unto me by Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them, and let ours are learned to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me, salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with all you. Amen. Very concise letter to what he called his son, Titus. Did you get something out of it this morning? It's a lot in that book, isn't it? It tells you how to live daily and how to get along with mankind, how to get along with your church members. Don't talk about them, you know. 
unless you, you can say that you're free and you don't have any sin, don't talk about your, na- your neighbor or your friend or your friends or your church members. Because it says usually what you're talking about is what you're guilty of. And I found that out in psych. If you want to put something over on somebody else, just listen to the person because usually they're, they have the same problems. But they want to put it over on, project it onto somebody else so that they look bad. And they look good. But when you get right down to it, they've done all the same things these people did. They just didn't want anybody to know it. So when we go through our different meetings and stuff like that, think of your church member as a loving person and love one another. And you'll find out that you will be a family of God. And that's what we're looking forward to, aren't we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've been here today and your holy angels among us. And as we leave here today, Lord, may we be reminded of what we should be to others, that we represent you to the world, and they are at odds with you, Lord, in many cases. Let us not falter in believing and being faithful unto you. Raise us up at that last day, Lord, that we can be in your kingdom, for we ask it in your precious name. Amen.